Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Question. How many of you like uncommitted friends? How many of you like flaky relatives? How many of you like unfaithful spouses? How many of you are the people I just mentioned? All right. Question, what difference, what difference does loyalty, does commitment make in a relationship? How different any relationship, whether it's marriage, whether it's family, whether it's coworkers, whether whatever it is. The difference that commitment, that devotion makes in a relationship is enormous, isn't it? I want to talk to you about that today. Is that all right? Genesis 22, we're going to continue reading the story. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. We've already looked at verses 1 through 4 in the past two weeks. We're going to add one more verse to our story today. You have it with you right there in your outlines. If you didn't get an outline, you can use the Bible app, um, uh, download the Bible app. Our outline is also digitally on there, or you can just use your old plain Bible. Here's what it says. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, um, on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him. That's key along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for the fire. He chopped wood for fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And here's the verse that we're going to look at today. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little, what? Farther. We will worship there, and, when we, and then we will come right back. In our relationship with the Lord, in every single one of us, in our faith journey, to every single one of us, there will come a time when we will either choose to follow God and abandon our old companionship, or to ignore God and stay with our old companionship. For every single one of us in our journey, there will come a time in our faith where God will say, I need you to be transformed by my presence, and I need you to step out, or you will choose to remain what sin has always made of you. Let me say it a different way. Dedication to God requires 
Separation for God. Dedication to God. If you want to be dedicated to God, if you want to be devoted, if you want to be committed to God, you need to separate yourself for God. Let me illustrate it this way. And I I have a lot of illustrations today, okay? So I think you're going to have a great time. In order for me to be dedicated to my wife, I need to separate myself from every other woman. If I truly want to be dedicated to her and tell her yes, I need to be able to say to every other woman, no. And obviously I'm talking um, sexually and romantically. She is the only woman I'm supposed to love, I'm supposed to be intimate with. I'm supposed to be dedicated to her and she's supposed to be dedicated to me. Dedicated in the Bible, the word dedicated in the Bible means to be set apart for a specific purpose. To be set apart. Now, you know what that's like because you have dedicated certain objects in your homes. I don't know what they may be, but we all have different objects that we've dedicated for a specific purpose. We have a coffee mug in our house that was the last coffee mug my grandma gave me. That coffee mug is dedicated. We don't use it. If you come to my house, I'm not going to serve you coffee in that coffee mug. Some men have a couch dedicated to them. And nobody sits there but their big belly. So you know what it's like to dedicate something to say, okay, we don't use that for that. Women, you know You have certain clothes you only wear on certain occasions. You've dedicated those for a specific purpose, for a specific occasion. And let me tell you something. Every single one of us, we come to the place where God is going to say, okay, you got to leave your old company and you got to make me your company. You got to leave your old ways and you have to embrace the new ways. And God is always, listen to me. This is a series on faith. God is always, he's always going to want to take your faith a little further. Three friends, quickly, this is not in your outline. Three friends that if you want to walk with the Lord, you need to abandon. And I know it doesn't sound nice because, oh, I come to church because we're supposed to love people. Love them from a distance, okay? Three friends that if you want to walk with the Lord, you cannot make them your inner circle, okay? Number one, the sinful friend, the friend that is always enticing you, that is always tempting you with sin. Oh, let me buy you a beer. Let's, let's, let's one time, you know, encouraging you to cause that friend you got to walk away from. Second one, the discouraging friend, the negative friend, right? Anybody got one of those? They drain you. They, they make you look at all the bad stuff and everything. It's always gloomy. It's always raining in their life. Listen, those people make life dull. Okay? We are people of hope. We are people of joy. We can't be hanging around and making our comadre Debbie Downer. Okay? Pray for her. Lead her to CL. Lead her to a life group. But you don't need to make that your inner circle. Okay? And the third friend that that everyone that you need to walk away is from that friend that has different goals, that has a different purpose. Let me say it this way. 
If you're married, you got to stop hanging around with single people. Because single people don't do what married people do. Okay? And it's important that we walk away, especially if we've come to the Lord, that we walk away what we were used to and go a little bit further to where God wants us to go. I, I, you might not like me saying this, but I have to say because that's just who I am. I'm very selective on who I make my inner circle. And, and these are three big for me. I, I always want friends that, 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 are, that love ministry and love the Lord as much as I do. I always want um, friends, and I'm talking about guys, that, that are good husbands and that are good parents. I, I, I always want friends that, that encourage me to see the positive and not always talk about the negative. One of my closest friends was Jose Centeno. The Lord took him to Texas. Um, <laughs> some of y'all are like, oh, your friend died. No, he didn't die. He just went to Texas, which practically like he died, but don't tell him. Um, um, so I lost Jose. The person that has kind of, um, the Lord has sent my way to fulfill that is, is Manolo. And Manolo, Manolo's a pastor. He, I love being with him. I love spending time with him. I love talking to him because, because he encourages me. He loves the Lord probably more than I do and can preach better than I do. So that's the people I want to hang around. He's a good father. He's a good husband. And, and we have similar goals. We're, we want to go to heaven and we want to win the Lord. Do your friends, will your friends take you not only where you want to go, but where God wants you to go? Will they? See, dedication requires separation. And you need to separate yourself from those things, and and not all of them are bad, but from those things and people that will not let you obey the Lord. Abraham is an individual whom God always asked to separate himself. Abraham's first encounter with God was a call for separation, a call for dedication. What did God tell Abraham? Look at what he says to him in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. Look at what he says. The Lord has said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that what? Okay, okay. I know you've seen this verse before. I know you read this verse before, but but let's, let's pay attention to it. God says, leave your native country. In other words, leave the, where you're from, leave your relatives and leave your father's home to the land that I will show you. Here's what God was doing. I want to create new company out of you. I want to create a new lifestyle in you. And God was calling Abraham to dedicate himself to God. And in order to do that, Abraham had to separate himself from those things that would not let him be and act who God wanted him to be. And God will do the same thing for you. You know what God wants from us? Every single one of us. Not just for me as a pastor. You say, no, that's you. You're the pastor. That's what, no, no, no. Every single one of us. What God wants from all of us is complete and total dedication. Not half-hearted commitment. Complete and total dedication. He wants it all or nothing. Right? Now, reminds me of a story. It says that a farmer got sick. And uh, when the farmer got sick, the animals in the farm 
um, found out that the farmer had gotten sick. And because he was such a good farmer to them, the animals got together and said, you know, why don't we do something for the farmer and, and just let him know how much we care for him. The cow says, I'll put some milk. And the chicken says, I'll do some, I'll put some eggs. And then, then both of them together told the pig, what if you put some bacon? The pig looked at them and he said, hey, all it takes from you guys is a contribution, while for me, it's total commitment. <laughs> and a lot of times, we're like the cow and the chicken. Lord, we'll give you some milk. Lord, we'll give you some eggs. And God says, no, I want your bacon, baby. I want your bacon. Question, are you giving God your bacon? Because he doesn't want to have hearty commitment. He wants total and complete commitment. Here's why. Here's why. Okay. So you hear a lot about, oh, God is loving. God is awesome. God is forgiving. And true, he is those things. But there's also descriptions of God that we often don't hear and we need to hear. You want to know how God describes himself? He describes himself as a jealous God. God is also a jealous God. That should be good for you. That means God doesn't want to share you. God doesn't want you half time. He doesn't want you to, to be the side chick. No, he wants you to be the chick. Okay, that, that's for the millennials. If you don't get what side chick is, Google it later. You'll understand it. Okay. It's not in your outlines, but look at what Deuteronomy 4.24 says. It says, he is a jealous God. And Exodus 34, 14, also not in your outlines, but in the screens. Look at what it says. You must worship no other gods for the Lord, whose very name is what? Jealous is the God who is jealous about his relationship with who? You. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Isn't it a little bit exaggerated that God would ask for complete and total dedication? Isn't it it unrealistic to just give him everything? No. You know why God can ask for everything? Because he gave everything for you. He gave it all for you. If I went, if if, if you went, let's say you, not me, but you. Let's say you went to Ruth Chris. Anybody heard about that restaurant? Okay, really expensive restaurant. If you went to Ruth Chris, okay, you can take me there if you want to. I'll go with you. I'll be your friend at Ruth Chris. No, I'm joking, I'm joking. If you went to Ruth Chris and you order and you paid for a 12-ounce steak but got a 4-ounce steak, what would your response be? If God gave his son... His one and only son, and who died on the cross and resurrected on the third day to purchase you completely and totally, and all you gave him was an hour and a half on Sundays, what do you think God's response should be? So here's the question for us this morning. If God gave all for us, if God committed all he had for us, what should our response be? Well, Paul tells us, you're very familiar with this verse if you're a church person. Romans 12.1, right there in your outlines. Look at what it says. This is Paul speaking. He says, so I beg you, he's begging us, he's pleading with us. Okay, this is not a suggestion. 
This is something Paul feels passionate about. There's an urgency to it. He says, so I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great what? What's mercy? Mercy is the bad, the punishment that we deserve that God didn't give us. So here's what Paul is saying. In light of the bad that we deserve, that God took in our place and didn't give it to us. He says, in light of that great mercy, here's what he says we need to do. He says, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to who? Not to your boo, not to your job, not to fashion, not to yourself, but to who? Him. Sometimes God sets us free So that we can go spend our freedom on something else instead of the one who set us free. Look at what he says. An offering, he says that offering our bodies. He says an offering that is only for God and pleasing to him. Considering what he has done, it is only the right way you should worship him in this way. So Paul says, dedicating ourselves to God. Offering up our bodies, not just our intentions, because we're really good at giving God our intentions, right? God, you know I would go. You know I would go if it wasn't for my kid. God, you know I would give if it wasn't for my bill. God, you know I would talk to them if it wasn't because I stutter, right? We're really good at giving God our intentions. But God says, no, no, no. Paul says, give your body. Because wherever your body is, hopefully your heart, soul, and mind are there too. And he says, when you do that, that is an act of worship. This is so awesome. This is why I love the Bible. Going back to Genesis 22, verse 5, what Abraham tells his servants, he says, stay here. The boy and I will go a little bit further to what? To worship. How were they going to worship? Abraham was literally going to do what Paul said figuratively we should do. Abraham was going to go offer as a living sacrifice his only son. And Paul tells us, you need to do the same. Not literally, figuratively. Okay? Because dedication requires separation. If your faith doesn't bring you to a place of separation, your life will never become a place of dedication. Did you hear that? If your life never becomes a place of dedication for God, your life will never become a place of separation for God. Now, in theology, and if you don't know what theology is, theology is the study of God and religion. In the process of salvation, um, there's there's a word that describes what I want to explain or, or want you to understand today this separation, this transformation, this living, living our old company, living our old ways to go and embrace the new ways, to go and embrace the new life that God has for us. And the word that is used in theology is the word sanctification, okay? Salvation is a big process. Like those of us that say, oh, we've been saved, a lot of times we don't really understand the process or the work that God did. So I want to explain it briefly to you. Then I want to tell you three things that you need, three things that God has given you, three things that if you practice, they would lead you to a life of dedication and separation to God, okay? 
when we're saved, the first thing that happens, okay, the, the first part of salvation is what it's called justification. These are not in your outlines. You might want to write them down. Anybody know what justification is? Justification is where God declares us righteous. He declares us free from sin. This is the moment that you place your faith in Jesus, the moment that you accept the Lord in your heart, here's what happens, okay? Here's what happens. You are forgiven from the penalty, the punishment of sin. That's key. You have to understand that. In justification, where God declares us just as if nothing bad had happened, in that moment, we are free from the punishment of sin. We are no longer doomed for death and destruction, but we have been set free from the punishment of sin. So that's justification. The second part of salvation is sanctification, okay? And in sanctification, this is where the power of God, the Holy Spirit, is working in us to bring us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. In, in the first stage, we are forgiven. We are set free from the punishment of sin. In sanctification, we are being set free from the power of sin. A few months back, I preached something similar to this. And I said, those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, we don't have to sin anymore. You can, but you don't have to because sin has lost its authority on you. You can go back to sin. You can choose to sin. You are still tempted by sin, but you don't have to sin because in the second stage of salvation, which is sanctification, we are being delivered. We are being transformed into the image of Jesus. Now, here's what you need to know, and this is so, so important. Sanctification is not a one-moment occasion. It's a process. So we got to cut each other some slack. Say, well, you accepted the Lord. Nothing has changed. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It's one baby step at a time, one baby step. Now, if you're taking baby steps backwards, that's another problem. But sanctification is a process. 1 Thessalonians 5.22, not in your outlines, but they might put it in the screen. It says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Now, in sanctification, this is where I'm going to camp today a little bit. Uh, God doesn't just want us to believe in him as he did when we are justified. In sanctification, ready for this? He wants us to follow him a little further. It's not, okay, when we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, we are forgiven and we are set free from the punishment of sin. But in sanctification, God says, I want to make you like my son. I want to transform you. I want to set you free. But in order to do that, you got to follow me. You got to follow me. And then the third, the third uh, part of uh, salvation is glorification. And that's only going to happen when we go to heaven. And in justification, we are forgiven from the punishment of sin. In sanctification, we are being set free from the power of sin. In glorification, we are going to be removed from the presence of sin. In heaven, there will be no more sin. We won't have to deal with all these issues. Now, I want to illustrate sanctification for you a little bit more. Manolo, would you help me? 
I want to illustrate just uh, sanctification, this process of choosing to follow God um, and not stay. Yeah. Okay. I have a request. Is that okay? No Facebook pictures. I think I'm going to make a fool out of myself here, but I'm going to do it so that you can learn. And if I look silly, please don't put me on Facebook. I don't know if you noticed by now, but I'm not big about posting all my life on Facebook. I like enjoying it. If you, I don't have anything against posting. I, it's just not me. Is that okay? Cool. Okay. So all of us, before we come to Jesus, um, there's things that have happened to us, things that were done to us, things that maybe we did, choices that we made, or maybe choices that other people made that have impacted us. And everything that has happened, and most of the stuff that happens before we come to Christ, is sinful, bad stuff. These things that happen to us, the choices that we make, they begin to shape our identity, who we think we are. And our our identity does what? It determines our behavior. Who you believe you are and what you believe about God determines how you behave about yourself and towards God. So there's things that are done to us and, and choices that were made. And maybe some of us, um, we, we, we uh, made some choices that led to an addiction. And we got that kind of as part of our identity. Or maybe, maybe um, what was done to us is that we were abused and, and we came from a bad marriage and, and we feel broken and, and now... Uh, uh, broken is part of our identity. Or, or, or what about the poor choices we made, like to be unfaithful to our spouse or, or to ignore our kids for our job, and, and then later on it makes us feel guilty? Or, or, or what, about, what about just not making healthy, adequate choices that then lead us to feeling like we're dirty? We all make choices. We make decisions. Our, our behavior is such that then those choices we make kind of become our identity. And that's kind of what we identify. And we say, well, you know, I don't want to get married because I don't think anybody would love me after I have slept with so many guys. Or I, 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 don't, I, I don't want to work on my family because I just feel guilty over the choices that I made when my kids were, were babies. So this is, this is all of us, and we all have our tags. But, but here's what happens. Somewhere along the road, we heard about Jesus, and we placed our faith in Jesus, and what happened? We got saved. We got saved, right? We're, we're, we're now going to heaven. Now our destiny is what? Heaven. But here's what a lot of people don't understand. Just because your destiny has changed, doesn't automatically mean your identity has changed or your behavior. Some of you, you've been wearing the crown of salvation for a long time and also been carrying along your issues for years. And you come to church and you worship the the Lord, but you still feel guilty. You still feel dirty. You've been tithing. You've been serving, but you're still addicted. You're still broken. And in fact, this is my opinion, my opinion. I can't be wrong, okay? My opinion is that sometimes we get so focused on this, and I think there's a place for honesty to say, I'm broken, I feel guilty, 
I have issues in the past, but I think one mistake that the church has made is that we get so caught up in this and we learn to identify it and we kind of stay here. We camp here. Like, I know one day I'm going to go to heaven, but until that day, I'm still going to be addicted. I'm still going to be broken. I'm still, I'm still going to feel dirty. And this is where God says, I need you to go a little bit further. By the way, the Bible calls this our old nature or our old man, okay? But what God wants to do is give us a new identity because we have a new identity. And he says, that's who sin may do. This is who I can make you. But God is not a gentleman where he, God is a gentleman because he doesn't come and he forces to take these things away from you. There isn't a magic wand. There isn't an oil that removes these things automatically. This is what? Work. That is why Paul says, hey, don't walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. And every single one of us, God is going to get us to a point where in our faith, he's going to say, I need you to go a little bit further. I need you to think differently. And, And it isn't until you start seeking God, start dedicating yourself to God, start letting the spirit give you a new identity where you say, okay, I'm not guilty, I'm forgiven. And you embrace this, and when you embrace this, little by little, where's guilty? You start saying, yeah, I I know I did that, but that's not who I am anymore because this is who God made me. And, and, And then as you continue, now, I will tell you something, it doesn't happen automatically, It's work. Sanctification is a process of work. And then the Lord lets you understand that you're pure. Yes, you made bad choices, but that he sanctified you by the precious and powerful blood of Jesus Christ. So guess what? Yeah, I know I made poor choices in my sexuality, but that's not who I am because the blood of Jesus has cleansed me. And you continue. And you continue and, and you get going and, and then you learn that, that, that you're not your addiction, but that in fact, Jesus has set you free and that you are not broken because the Holy Spirit dwells in you and, and you are now a whole person. And here's what ends up happening little by little. You learn your new identity and you walk with God. And guess what? Let me tell you two things. This is, two things. This is what Jesus looks like. Not this, this, this is what God means when he says, I want to transform you into the image of my son. Okay, first, second, you know all those blessings you want? You know a united family? You know a joyful marriage? You know good finances? You know joy in your life? You know all the good things you want? They're not here. They are where? Here. And it isn't until we work with the Holy Spirit where we walk that, that, that then those promises, the things that God said that, that are ours, that he would give to us, that they become a reality. But see, most of us, we keep camping over here and then we keep wondering, well, you know, my marriage isn't going to get better. Listen, it's not that God is not working. It's that you have camped in your old nature and you are not letting the Holy Spirit transform you and letting you take you a little bit further to make you into who he wants you and take you where he wants to take you. So question for you. I got it. Question for you. Where are you living? Where are you living? See, Abraham understood because God had already taught him. 
that God will always take you a little bit closer, a little bit closer, and a little bit farther and farther from your old habits, from your old friends. Now, there's three things. I want to give them to you really quickly. Three things that are going to help you get more dedicated, be more separated for God. Are you ready for them? Okay, you got to fill them quick. And I'm going to ask the ushers to start getting ready. We're going to take communion. Now, here's the irony in this, okay? I got to be honest with you guys. I've been sick since last Friday night. Not this Friday, but last Friday. I normally don't last sick this long. I don't know what's going on. Um, So this week was really an off week. And this week, the three things that I'm going to tell you, I didn't do them like I normally do them. And I don't feel as close to God. I don't feel as excited about God as I normally do. And I think that God is using this so that you would understand and so that I could help you understand how important it is to do these three things so that we dedicate, so that we go a little bit further with the Lord. Are you ready for them? Here's three things to help you. Number one, the word of God. The word of God. The enemy will do all he can to get you away from the word of God, okay? Look, look at what John 17, 17 says. It says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. If you are not reading the word of God, you're going to have a hard time embracing your new identity. You know why? Because here's what the word of God does. The word of God will give you a new mind. When you start embracing what God says about you, about your family, about your marriage, about your sexuality, about your finances, then your mind begins to be transformed and you don't conform to the world anymore, but you walk in the spirit and you walk according to God. If you are not reading your Bible daily, you're going to have a hard time being dedicated to God. You're going to have a hard time being separated from God. Here's the second, second thing you need that's there to help you. The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the one who sanctifies us. In fact, look at what 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says. It says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Okay. You can live every day on your own will or you can live every day being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay? And when you depend on the Spirit, here's what He does. When you work with the Holy Spirit, He gives you a new heart. When you listen to Him, when you rely on Him, suddenly when you want to lash out, He reminds you and He says, no, 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 no. Let me let you be loving. Let me help you be loving. Let me help you be kind. When you're tempted to steal... And you listen to the Holy Spirit, then you can be honest and say, well, I might not get a big tax return, but I'm going to be honoring God without lying. The Holy Spirit gives us a new heart. And then the third thing you need is the people of God. We need each other. You need this church. You may not like everybody in this room. You may not think we all smell good, but you need us. We're God's gift to you to help you. Look at what, what the Bible says in um, 1 Corinthians 1-2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those, not to the one, but to those, there's a lot of us, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be what? Saints what? Together, okay? With all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and what? And ours. We need each other. 
If you don't think you need church, you are believing one of the biggest lies of the enemy. You need people in church to encourage you, to love you, to remind you what not to do as well as what to do. I wish I had more time. You need to get in a life group. I know what you guys are saying. I'm too busy, Pastor. I can't get in a life group. You cannot afford not to be around other Christians. You got to get to know people's faces and not the back of their heads. Because when you get in a bind, you are going to need the people that God has given you. And the people that God has given you is called his family, the church. And we have been given to one another to encourage, to help, to support one another. You need the word of God. You need the spirit of God. And you need the people of God. What is it that the people of God do? They give you a new purpose. When you start hanging around church people, your purpose should change. It should be no longer the bars you go to, but it should be the streets to evangelize that you go to. It should be no longer talking about women, but it should be talking about the calling of God in your life. You want your purpose to change? Start embracing the people of God that he has given you. I don't have time because we want to and with communion. So I'm just going to skip a few verses. But I want to go to the very last verse. And I want to ask the ushers to come up and get ready for communion. Look at this. Separating for God. Listen to this. You can't miss this. You can't miss this. This is it, okay? I know the ushers are getting ready. Don't be distracted by that. Listen to this. Separating, dedicating yourself to God will not be understood by the world. Hold on, guys, okay? Don't go till I tell you. Will not be understood by the world. It will not be. They will ostracize you. They will talk about you. They will ridicule you. But you can't expect them to understand heaven when their eyes haven't been opened by the one who owns heaven. But there is a wonderful promise. There is a wonderful promise that God, that Jesus gave us. And here's what he says. Here's what he says in, in Luke 6.22. He says, what blessing awaits you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil. Here's why. Because you follow the Son of Man. Jesus said there is a promise. There is a blessing. Maybe not here on earth. But there is a blessing when we are persecuted, when we are ridiculed, when we are hated for simply following Him. We want to end with communion. And communion is God going really far down to earth to restore us back to the Father. So I want to challenge you this morning to make a commitment, to make a dedication, to say, okay, I've been comfortable here, but I'm going to go a little bit further. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to come to Wednesday services, or I'm not going to miss Sunday services anymore, or I'm going to get in a life group, or I'm going to start praying to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to start relying. Do something that today, that as you have heard God say, come a little further, that you would make the decision to go further. As we take communion, I am going to challenge you to say, Lord, as I drink this cup and eat this bread, you gave it all for me. And I want to do the same for you. And I'm going to start by praying every day. I'm going to get up 10 minutes early. Or I'm going to start by talking to somebody about my addiction. Or I'm going to start by taking out somebody to lunch in church and getting to know them. I don't know what it is. But that's what I want to challenge you to do this morning.
We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you, and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.